Good morning. I invite you to stand and join with me in this responsive call to worship. This is from the book of Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. We are sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please remain standing as we join together in song. Victory. 
season, something God alone can see. Please be seated for children's time. guys and gals. How are you? Good. 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 Tired? tired? Yeah. You got an extra hour of sleep. How could you be tired? I'm tired. You're tired. Okay. All right. In life, we all have things that we worry about. We worry about being liked at school. Uh, we worry about who's going to sit with us at lunch, or once we get on a sports team, am I going to be good enough to be able to play? What are some of the things that you worry about? Not being able to find my shoes, that would be a tough thing. What do you, some, losing your glasses, ooh, that's a great thing to worry about. Anything else? Nope. Do you ever worry about a test? Never? Oh, man, I wish I was you when I was a kid. <laughs> well, we have a lot of things that we can worry about, and some of them seem bigger than others. Some people worry about being sick or being safe. That's a big worry, isn't it? There's a lot of sin in the world and things that the devil tries to trick us with into worrying about. But Jesus tells us not to worry. He's taking care of us. He used examples in nature to help us understand. God gave food to the birds. The birds don't have to plant the seeds. The birds don't have to harvest the food. But they have enough food to eat. We don't know, need to worry about clothing either. If you look at the lilies in the field, they are beautifully dressed. And the Bible tells us that King Solomon wasn't even as fancy as those lilies in the field. If God cares for things like birds and flowers, isn't he going to take care of you? Yes, yes he absolutely is. Worries can weigh us down and stop us from being the person that God wants us to be. Now, I have a backpack here, and A.J. asked if he could wear the backpack. Come here, A.J., you want to come stand in front of me? I'm going to put this backpack on you, okay? And worrying can weigh us down, and we're going to pretend these books are our worries, okay? Oh, boy. What are some of the things we said? Losing our shoes, can't find our shoes. Okay, so I'm going to put that worry in there. What? Yeah, they're coming. Okay, losing glasses. Worrying about bad grades on a test. Worrying about if anybody's going to sit with us at lunch. Worrying about somebody playing with us at recess. How you doing, AJ? You doing good? <laughs> we might, some people worry about being sick. Okay, here we go, AJ. Some people worry about not having enough food to eat. Taste them. <laughs> Some people worry about not what? Not having enough candy. I was about to say worrying about it raining on Halloween night. Oh, some of us worry about sitting on our glasses. How you doing, AJ? You are doing awesome, aren't you? Wow. Now, worry. Oh, there's one more. Well, let's think of one more worry. AJ says, don't think of another worry. What? Not being able to find your backpack, and it's time to go to school. How you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. <laughs> is, it, is it difficult holding all those worries? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, why worries aren't really books in a backpack. I don't know how you did that, AJ. <laughs> That's really heavy. While worries are not really books in a backpack, but worries can weigh us down. When we worry, we're not letting God take care of things. It's like we're saying, I can take care of this, Jesus. No, thank you, but I got it. Jesus tells us we can always trust him. And Jesus and God always keep their, his promises. 
Now, let's say a prayer and ask God to help us get rid of our worries by trusting him. Jesus, we give you our worries. We promise to take care. You promise to take care of us, and we trust you. We have a lot to worry about, but we know that with you, we can handle it. You died to take care of our sins. You took care of our big problem of sin, and we know that you'll take care of our other problems too. Help us give our worries over to you and not try and take them back. You can handle anything. We're so glad that we have you to take care of us. No one is like you. We have nothing to worry about when our life is in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Now let's say this together. God loves me. God is always with me. And God has a plan for me. Let's go upstairs for God's backyard. Please stand and sing with us. to a tender time in our service because today is All Saints Day. It's a special holiday in the life of the church. It's a time in which, along with Christians all around the world, we recognize and celebrate and remember and give thanks for those who have gone on before us. Today, we will remember our members who have passed since the last All Saints Day. And we have these beautiful vases of roses in memory of these dear people.
We invite a family representative to come and take a flower home after the service. And please know that our prayers are with you. We'll also recognize categories of people who have touched us all in some way. And we'll start a new tradition this year also. When we get to the slide that says friends and family, you may call out the name of a person who is dear to you who has passed. And I'll invite you to do that when we get to that point. As I read each name and then each category, a bell will ring. As we do this, we invite you to stand if you have a connection with or were in some way impacted by these persons, and then be seated again after a moment. And now, let's remember these special people with tender hearts. Doris Dunkel. Mary Jo Scott. Nita Faulkner. Ralph King. John Engel. Members of our Richmond Place Ministry. Those in service to our country. Our family and friends. And you may now call out names if you would like. saints and heroes around the world. Let us pray. Merciful God, you know our hearts, you know our joys, you know our fears, you know our pain. Thank you for your faithful presence. Thank you for walking with us in times of difficulty. And thank you for these people who we love, who have meant so much to us. Thank you for the ways they have touched us, for the legacies they have left us, for the way the world is a better place for their time here with us. And thank you, mighty God, that you have conquered death. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the Lord of the living and the dead. Thank you that we can know that the end of our physical bodies is not the end. Thank you for these people who have gone on to glory before us. And thank you for the people who remain here on earth. Let us all be a comfort to each other. Because even though we know the truth of eternity, we still feel the pain of loss. Let us lean on each other and on you until we are all reunited Holy Lord, we are grateful for your faithfulness, and we're grateful to be gathered together to worship you and to praise you. We lift up those who need healing, those who need protection, those who need justice, those who serve in unsafe places, those who serve in emergency services or in health care, those who serve in the military or in law enforcement. Give them your protection and your healing, Lord. Where there is war, bring peace. For those who are hungry, for those who need employment, bring your help, bring your hope.
for those who are struggling with addiction, with shame, with hopelessness. Fill them with your peace and help them know that they are your dearly loved children. And God, show us where to serve, where we can bring your light, your love, your help, your hope. Help us to recognize and respond to all the opportunities you place in our paths so that as we serve in your name, the world knows that you are love. Most precious Lord, we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Well, good morning. It is so good to be in worship together with you. And whether you're here in person or joining us online, we're glad you're a part of our family today. St. Luke is a place of hope and healing and wholeness. We're passionate about pursuing Jesus Christ together. If you're a guest, you have our special welcome. We're very glad that you're here with us today. We would love to connect with you and answer any questions you might have about the church and help you find a way that you could connect here. There is a connect card in the pew back where you can fill one out online. We would really love for you to take a minute to do that, and we will follow up with you. We also have a gift for you at the Welcome Center, so take a minute to stop by there after the service as well. I have just a few announcements to share. First of all, this evening from 6.30 to 8 o'clock in our back parking lot, we're having our Worship and S'mores event. We're going to have an evening of contemporary worship around a campfire. We will provide s'mores kits and water. Just bring your own chair and be ready to relax in a beautiful evening around a beautiful campfire as we celebrate and have a great time of fellowship. It's also a great time to invite someone to join you. Um, we have a couple of opportunities to serve. One of those is at Nathaniel Mission. Their annual Thanksgiving dinner is going to be on Thursday, November 16th, and they would love some extra hands to help serve that meal. If that's something you can do, let me know or contact the mission directly, and we will get you set up, because I know that you'll be blessed as you serve other folks who, who are in need. And stay tuned. Um, very soon, we're going to be announcing information about our annual coat, hat, and glove drive for Lexington Rescue Mission. So be ready for that. Mark your calendar. Start gathering that stuff up, and we will begin that very, very soon. Um, quick note, we will have communion in the chapel this Sunday after this service. Uh, we would normally have communion this Sunday, but that will be next Sunday instead, and so we'll have chapel communion right after this service, and we encourage you to take a moment to stop by there at the conclusion of the service. And now we have our series video. about our choir, our accompanists. Mm. Mm. What if I told you you could eliminate 92% of your fears, worries, and anxieties? Are you in? You know, I was looking uh, the other day in the mirror. I've gained a lot of gray hair since I came here. <laughs> I thought, boy, you know, that sounds really good to me. 92% of your fears, worries, and anxieties. There was a businessman who set out to do just that. I don't think he knew it would be 92%, but in good businessman fashion, he decided he was going to get an Excel spreadsheet together and begin to track what did he worry about? What were his fears? What were the anxieties that were plaguing his life? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have anxieties, don't we? We might define anxiety as being an emotional response of worry, fear, and tension that's often accompanied by physical symptoms. And I suspect that our worries or fears or anxieties are just different from one another, right? I might wave a snake in front of one person and they go, eh, but then you bring a spider and look out. Some people worry about their health. Other people worry about keeping their job. They worry about, is their retirement going to last uh, some people worry about, is their family going to stick together? What's going to happen to this world? There's certainly a whole lot of wars and rumors of wars that are going on right now. There's a battleground for truth that's taking place. I mean, there's a lot of worries and fears and anxieties that go around. Let me ask you, how many of you are professional worriers here this morning? Awesome. I appreciate your honesty. And it seems like you're not alone. In fact, there was a study that was done in 2021, and the outcome of the study said that 40% of people living in the United States over the age of 18 are plagued by anxiety and or depression. And that same study was pressed two years later this year, and it's found that one out of every three Americans struggles 
with either anxiety or depression. And that worry, that fear, that anxiety, it saps us of true happiness, doesn't it? I mean, when that's all we can see, it's really hard to gain the true happiness that we've been after in this teaching series. And Jesus has offered us a secret a couple weeks ago. He said, here's the thing. If you want to know the secret, the secret's this. Consider just who you're out to please in this life. And that's the start to reducing the worry, the fear, the anxiety in your life. And if you press that forward, Jesus is talking about three areas of life where this begins to manifest itself in our wants. We talked about that last week. Our needs, which is today, and our insecurities. This is the reason that we judge people, in case you didn't know. And that's what we're going to be after next week. Don't be mistaken. We all have basic needs, too, don't we? We need water. If we don't have it, dehydration's really bad. And eventually, it'll kill you. And if you don't eat for long enough, that'll kill you. And if you don't have a roof over your head, I suppose you can make it in some warmer places, like Florida or California, you might say, although the loneliness which accompanies that's pretty painful, and that can kill you. And clothing, well, you're, without it, you're going to get embarrassed at the very least. You go to jail if it gets a little worse, and if it gets cold enough, that'll kill you. So, I mean, welcome to church this morning. You know, we have these basic needs, and we have fears around them. And when those fears turn into something more, well, you get quite a response. Consider, in the year 2020, the panic buying that happened around toilet paper. Who knew that this was a basic need of life? But I'm certain that there are some people who have stockpile rations in their homes they're still living on from 2020 toilet paper. Are we, are we together on this? Now, some people will say that worry is a sin. I don't know if I'm prepared to go quite that far, but let's take a look at what Jesus says to us about it in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day. It, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I think this part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount must have really hit home for people living in the year A.D. 30. And the reason is this. The average male life expectancy was something like 40 years. If you're a woman, it might be a little better, but not much. How many of us here are on borrowed time right now? (laughs) Yeah, something like 40 years, and you might think, oh my goodness, that's incredibly short. Why would that be the case? Well, if you're a man and you're part of the Roman Empire, you're always off fighting somewhere. And at some point, statistically speaking, that doesn't work out to your advantage. And if you're a woman, childbirth was often a reason that women died. You know, they didn't have epidurals and medicines and things to help you. So a lot of women died in childbirth. And to go beyond that, there was plenty of corruption that existed in the empire. If somebody decided they wanted to take your stuff that day, eh, what's a number of one in millions of people? And there was plenty of disease to go around as well. You didn't exactly walk down to the local Walgreens and buy Tylenol or ibuprofen or mucinex or whatever else you might need to take care of your needs and so the life expectancy was really really short and i think intuitively we know this about our lives as well sure our average life expectancy today is 80 but we know that life is short don't we 
And there's also something within us that we recognize it shouldn't be this way. In fact, the book of Genesis chapter 2 speaks to this. God created us to be eternal from both the biological stuff of the ground and also the breath of life that was breathed into each one of us. We're part the stuff of this creation and part uh, the stuff of God. And even more so, as we look to the story in the garden at the very beginning of time, we recognize that everything in the garden that existed was good. And it provided everything that we could ever possibly need. The food was present from every tree that was there in the garden, save for one. There was water there to provide for every need in the garden. People had a purpose to take care of the garden, to be good stewards of it. God provided safety as if we needed to know what safety was all about anyway because there was no sin in the world. So everything that we could ever possibly need existed in that garden, and the challenge is this. We decided we would rather have our wants rather than have God supply us with our needs. And when we did that, it flipped creation on its end. In fact, the first example, we might say, of fear, anxiety, or worry happens when the people decide they'd rather be the management, and when Papa comes a-coming, we read what? That they hid because they were afraid. They were afraid of the God who created them, the God who walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. And it just gets worse from there. In fact, if you go into Genesis chapter 3 a little deeper, you find that the ground is cursed, painful toil is part of our work. It only produces thorns and thistles. We sweat all day long, and in the end we have this impending sense that the very stuff from which we're created is the very stuff to which we'll return. So happy Sunday. Yeah, it's almost as if you can hear in this the same stuff that we do today. We're going to work and work and work, and we always struggle wondering, is it going to be enough? Will my money last? Will my retirement make it? Will all the stuff that I put into the barns make it through the winter? And then in the end, we recognize that for all the toil that we've produced this stuff, well, that's it. It's hard, and it's not supposed to be this way. And Jesus has plenty to say about it. Notice what he says. He says, therefore, do not be about your, what you, or, 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 there you go. Now, remember, he's saying this to people who are living with a 40-year life expectancy. Who are poor, who have debts, who live in a region without much food and with very little water who have poor living conditions and who are always wondering the same question that we are, and that question is this, how much time do I have left? Because as you learned last week, that's the real resource that we have. It's the only resource that we have is time. The money that you have is a function of time. You spent your time to earn it, and you use the skills and talents that you have, the spiritual gifts that you have to earn it, but it's always a function of time. And this is the question that we're all plagued by. How much time do I have left? And so we worry, just like they did in the garden. Is it going to be enough? Am I going to make it? How long is it going to go? And when this time runs out, what do we really want? People don't ever sit in a bed in their last moments of life wishing they had more stuff. They always wish they had just a few more minutes. Time. It's only our only real resource And Jesus knows it, which is why he says this. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? You can't. It's a bummer, isn't it? Sure, you can do things to take good care of yourself and so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, for as much as we think we're in control, control is nothing more than a bit of an illusion, It's all in God's hands, and he numbers our days. That's part of what makes him God. In fact, some time ago, one of my friends called me in a tizzy, we'll call it. Do we use that word in Kentucky? Okay, I appreciate that. He was in a bit of a tizzy. We're going to go with that for this morning. And he said, Ebel, here's the deal. I am trying to love on this coworker, this colleague that I've got, and i got to tell you, that whole love your enemies thing, it is not working well for me. 
so I need you to pray for me. And I'm like, well, you know, we all struggle with that one, so welcome to the club, brother. What's, what's the problem? And he says, you know, this guy, he's so arrogant, he's got all the answers, and all he's talking about is his stuff, and he's got more, and if the whole world would just listen to him, everything would be better, and if all the religious fanatics would just go away, the world would be a better place. And I said, interesting. I said, what is it that he really believes? And he said, well, he doesn't believe anything. He's an atheist. I said, that's where you're wrong. He does believe something. He believes that God does not exist. And as such, at the center of his life is really nothing but fear and anxiety. And the reason that fear and anxiety live within him is related to this question, how much time do I have left? Because as much stuff as he gets, in the end, it really doesn't matter. The clock is ticking. And that's not exactly a renewable resource, if you haven't noticed. His days are numbered, and so what hope is there if there is no God? And he said, well, you might be right about that. So what this man was trying to do is manage his life with a certain set of insurance policies. What do I do to be happy? What do I do to get as much as I can as quickly as I can? Because the time is running out, and to that, Richard Rohr says, if you surrender to fear, life becomes a series of insurance policies. And isn't that how it works? If I just have, if I just do, if I just owned, if I just felt, if I just experienced, is that really life? Look at what Jesus says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And that's pretty profound if you think about it. Birds. Have you watched them lately? Go out and watch them before they all leave and fly south here in a few weeks today. And I want you to realize that God cares about these things that he has created. And we're talking about the stuff that ends up in people's shotgun crosshairs, the stuff that ends up dive-bombing your window at 6.30 a.m. to wake you up, and the stuff that ends up in the grill of a Peterbilt truck going down I-64. God cares about these things. How much more does he care about you? He created you in his image. He's given you purpose for living. He loved you so much he sent his only begotten son for you to die on a cross and rise again from the dead on the third day. How much more does God love you? How much more will God take care of you? You know, maybe, maybe the thing we could consider is this. Rather than manage and ensure our lives, we could trust a future that God already knows and trust that God will provide today's needs. What if we just started there? Now, maybe you get that in your head, but the question is, how do we really get it in your heart? And maybe part of it is we've got to figure out how anxiety works. And so I'm putting him on the spot. Jim, can I borrow you for a minute? He's like, oh, my gosh, where is this going? I've got two Jims. All right. <laughs> that was not well-timed. Come on. Jimmy, come on. So here's how this works we got a lot of things to worry about, right? Like life and maybe family and maybe your health and maybe your retirement and maybe you need to worry about how are things going to go and then you got to worry about dinner tonight. That's always got to worry about. And then, you know, there's other stuff that you need to worry about along the way, like i got to go to the doctor visit and then maybe I need to go and see some people, and how will this work out? And before we know it, you know, before you know it, it's just all these worries, they kind of just start going everywhere, and it ends up all over the floor, doesn't it? Thanks for being a good sport. You're a good dude. I appreciate it. It all goes all over the floor, doesn't it? That's how it works, these anxieties. We, we can handle one or two maybe, but before we know it, there's more and more and more, and, and the more that they pile on, the more that they come in rapid succession. Have you ever noticed this? And before you know it, the only thing that you can see are the different anxieties that are consuming your life. That's all that there is. And friends, as an anxiety sufferer, I can tell you this, that's not living. Biologically speaking, it is. But spiritually speaking, you're just surviving. So what do we do? Because eventually you can't juggle the balls anymore. I don't care how big your hands are, or how strong you are, or how smart you are. Eventually they drop. And so we've got to stop trying to manage and ensure a future that God already knows and today's needs, which God already provides. 
And I'd submit to you that there are three things we can do. The first thing is to search our hearts, to make a spreadsheet or a list. And here's the thing I want to tell you about that. Don't do this on your own. You need help to do it. And if you're struggling with anxiety, talk to Pastor Nora and I, and we will connect you with somebody who can help you. I am a firm believer in counseling. Your senior pastor goes to counseling four to five times a year whether I think I need it or not. And here's why. I need somebody to tell me how are things. I can tell you to one degree, but I want to know it on another level. And so if you're struggling, search your heart. What are your fears? What are your worries? What are your anxieties? Process them with somebody who's trained to do that. What is it that's really going on in your life? What is it that's, that's consuming your thinking and your time? And what are you trying to insure against? What are you trying to plot in your future? Look at what Jesus says. He says, therefore, don't be anxious. How many people know easier said than done? Don't be anxious, but we've got lots of things to be anxious about, eating and drinking and wearing and, and retirement portfolios and, and our jobs and our children and our, our health and what are th- what's going to happen with the world. Well, we need somebody to process that with. And in that opportunity of processing it, you not only get an opportunity to build trust with God, but to build trust with people who want to help you. So the first thing is search your heart. What are you really anxious about? And the second thing is to start at bankrupt. What what, what I mean by that? I mean, recognize that the way that you've been living, the way that you're doing it, it's not working. And that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. In fact, this is at the heart of the Beatitudes. It's what Jesus said in the very beginning. He said, happy are the spiritually bankrupt. Happy are those who have searched for every possible way to do life without God. And when you recognize your need for God, the kingdom of God opens wide to you. And it changes you from spiritually bankrupt to becoming pure in heart. So start at bankrupt. And that's what Jesus says. He says, seek first the kingdom. Run after God, God's power, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love with all that you are and all that you have. And God's righteousness, not your own. You know, I think that's the challenge to the prosperity gospel of our culture today. We tend to seek the blessing before we seek the blesser. Are you with me? And we get it backwards. So start at bankrupt. Recognize it's not working. God, I need your help. Counselor friend, I need your help. And finally, notice what Jesus says in Matthew 6.34. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The third thing I would submit to you is this. Stay in the eternal present. Stay in the present. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean what we've talked about all along is we tend to seek conditional happiness. And it's always the past or the future. And what Jesus is saying is if you'll stay present with God here now in this life, if you really pray that prayer, give us this day, our daily bread, if you trust God for the needs that he will provide today, and if you trust him with your future, well, I imagine along the way, you'll have a little less anxiety in your life. A businessman did this work, and he kept the spreadsheet, and here's what he figured out. 40% of the things that he worried about, or had fear about, or anxiety about, were future events that probably wouldn't happen. 30% were based on past events that can't be changed. 12% of the things that he had fear, anxiety, and worry about were people's present criticisms. 10% were worries about his health. And 8% were truly legitimate concerns. What if you could get rid of 92% of the fear or worry or anxiety in your life? Would you do it? I've just shown you how. And here's my encouragement. We believe in a God who was and is and is to come, who lived and died and rose again. And I know this. I don't know much, but I know this. You can trust him to take care of you today, and you can know 
that he has a great future in store for you. Please tell us how we can help you. And let's watch what God will do in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, O oh God, that you desire to meet the needs that we have. And the amazing thing is along the way, you take care of some wants too. We're grateful for that. And we pray, O oh God, that these worries, these fears, these anxieties that we have, that you will touch us, that you will come near, and that you will give us encouragement in this day to know that you are present, you are active, you are working in our lives, to know that we can trust you for the daily bread that we need. We can trust you for the future that you have in store for us. And so, God, help us to stop managing, to stop ensuring. Teach us how to trust you. Show us how to trust other people who can help us along the way. And God, most of all, we pray that you would rid our hearts of the worries and the fears and the anxieties. We pray that you would clear our minds. And we pray that most of all, we would fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who was and is and is to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. As always, this altar is open for you. God's going to provide for your daily needs. He has your future secure. My encouragement is this. At least figure out a way to unload part of that 92% this week. And let's uh, fix our eyes on Jesus as we go along the way. Look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Have a great week.